Jason, you know what's coming up in September 2018, right? Did you register? You want to play the alphabet game? I am T S. I am T S dot com. That's right. September 10th through the 15th, McCormick Place, Chicago. Here we are again. Let me see it on your calendar. Pull up your calendar. I got it. It's right oh, here. There it is. I can see that. Okay, great. Start planning. And I know if I go to the IMTS website, there is going to be links there. They're going to have specials linked up to hotels that are communicating. You with... know what's a good way to get more information? What's Sign that? up for their e-newsletter. Absolutely. I think I'll do that too. Because I definitely want to be there. I definitely want to get a hotel. I don't want to be left behind. And I want to get the best value I can from IMTS. A lot of our business is from repeat customers. And so now by growing that base, we've been able to more than double our size. That's probably the opportunity that it's created for our folks. And that is a mainstay to what we're about is we're about the long-term security of Orbitform and the long-term security of our employees. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. Jim here from Making Chips. What a pleasure to have you tune in and listen to us equip and inspire you once again. We're here on a cold Chicago morning at DMDII on Goose Island, and I'm sitting across this desk and, of course, this beautiful facility with my good friend, my co-host, Jason Jay-Z Zanger. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Jim. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, even though it's a cold Chicago day. Was it about zero? I, I just heard on the news this morning that we've had 11 consecutive days under 20 degrees. Now, that's enough to freeze you out, right? But we still have to keep making chips, don't we? Yeah, I'm, I feel great today. Manufacturing cannot shut down because the weather is cold. We're, we're from the Midwest. We're, we're, we're resilient. used to it. We're resilient. We've got that in us. Yes, we are. I have a little short story about that. So my wife who came from Texas one day that there was a huge blizzard after she just moved to Chicago and she just didn't go to work. She looked outside and there, it was snowing. It was blizzarding and there was you know inches on the ground and her coworkers called her at about 10 o'clock and they're like, where are you? And she's like, well, I thought it was a snow day. They're like, we don't do snow days here in the Midwest. <laughs> so yeah, we still have to keep manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. And happy new year. Happy new year. I think it's going to be a absolutely fantastic year. I'm really looking forward to it. Everything that I hear and see happening, it's really encouraging. I know last week we just, uh, in our manufacturing news, uh, we talked about the NAM survey that has been unprecedented uh, optimism with among manufacturers in, in, in the United States. It, it really is mind-blowing. 4.6%. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, boom. Wow. I know. It, it's great. And as a dovetail to that, the manufacturing news that I picked out for today is from Bloomberg, and it says, manufacturing in the U.S. just accelerated to its best year since 2004. Again, it goes on to say that uh, 
it has it, everything is just booming. We're hitting on all cylinders. Uh, it's really exciting. Manufacturing is not dead, despite what people used to say. I mean, it's amazing to me that you know just everybody's talking about manufacturing now. People used to think that everything was made overseas and that things were not made in the United States, but that is certainly not true. And I think that just as a country, we're going to see more and more people talking about manufacturing and how much of a contributor it is to our economy, just like people used to talk about that 30, 40 years ago. Right. Well, everything that's old is new again. That's very true. Yeah. So I I don't want to go into that article in any depth. Everyone knows, everyone that's in manufacturing right now knows that we're, we're in a renaissance right now. So we need to start talking we about it to, to our friends going. and our neighbors right. and tell them how much manufacturing is vital to this economy. Right. It, it, it certainly is. It certainly is. We have some great guests with us today in our studio, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk about everything that's good with them because they're they're seeing some great successes and, and some growth in, in their own business. Yeah, and they're very excited to share that with the Metalworking Nation. They actually want to teach other people about what they've done to be successful because they want to help other manufacturers to be successful as I, well. I want them to teach me. I, I, I want them learn to too. inspire Absolutely. me. That's one of the unique things about making chips is that we bring on manufacturing leaders who are, who are out there doing it. We're not, we don't bring on people that you know um, are writing books or consultants or anything like that. These are real manufacturing leaders who are getting dirty, who are doing the things that it takes in order to really bring this manufacturing economy to where where it needs to be. And that's one of the amazing things about what we learn from these other manufacturing leaders. That's why I'm super enthused to um, be here today with these gentlemen. But before we get to them, anything new at Zanger's? Um, as you know, um, I know you think like I'm, you know, kind of scatterbrained and all over the place, but I actually do. I have a very methodical way that I do my um, my planning. Do you wait? You actually think that I think you're scatterbrained? Sometimes I think you do. No, no, I, no. I just I, I I'm a little bit more structured. I'm old school. That's that's it. I think the new school. You know, you don't have to write anything down. You don't have to have anything written. You don't have to follow. So you just like, let's go. Let's do it. You know, it takes me a little longer to get moving here, you know. So I got to have everything written down. I got to have a nice structure. I got to follow the tone. Just like you're reading a book, a chapter in a book, you know. Yeah. That's, that's well, how I, my mind thinks. I'm very methodical about my yearly planning, both Personally and professionally, I'm very methodical. And so I get really excited at the beginning of the year because, and at the, the end of the year because I get to start that planning process. And I spend a lot of time. On I know it. you do. And I actually spend a lot of time, even with my family, like planning out, like, you know, what are we going to accomplish this year as a family? What What is your big thing that you're going to, um, even starting with my three-year-old, you know what I mean? I have, I have all my family members pick out a word that they're going to really hone in on this this year and we all we all really focus on that and you know we do a lot of planning as a family and as a business and so I get super excited about that at the beginning of the year. I like so that. that's what's going on with us. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. How about you? What's going on with Uh well, you know, it, it, we we ended 2017 strong. Um I we hit our goals and our you know our vision for for the year we, we exceeded them and i'm excited about that we just last friday we bought another machine tool uh we're implementing a new erp system Super excited about all of that. And You're getting your vending machine. Uh, I'm getting my going. vending machine from Zenger's Industrial soon. So there is a lot of change going on at Car Machine, and it's exciting even at the small level that we are at. I can see the change coming. You know, there's always I mean? way to automate and make things better. You yeah. know, even down to you know 
dispensing your tooling in in a more automated fashion. I think all those things, all those little things are going to help you. And we're going to talk about... We need to do a case study on this, buddy. We should. Yeah, we We absolutely should. should. Because you know how how it's going to change my shop with having that vending machine in and operating and having the control over tools? It's going to change. It's going to revolutionize how we do business. Absolutely. And I'm going to make sure that you're always using the latest and greatest tooling. Promise. I promise. Okay. Yeah, because you know, you're going to stop buying all that other tooling from those other people, which is the old school stuff, and make sure you buy all the new school stuff just from us. <laughs> I love it. I love but it. But yeah, I mean, I think just that whole idea of small little continuous improvements is is just a really good thing to be focused on. And we're going to actually talk about that with our special guest today. Yeah, I'm really excited. Why don't you go ahead, uh, now that you've teed them up, and introduce our special VIP guest we have in the studio with us today. Great. So we have here um, two gentlemen from Orbit Forum out of Jackson, Michigan, and I'm going to introduce um, the first. His name is David Shirky. He's the manager of strategic initiatives at Orbit Forum. David and I and David and Jim, we've been friends for several years now. Um, David reached out to us after listening to Making Chips. Um, Jim and I have been out to Jackson, Michigan. Jim's been out there twice. I've been out there once. And we've just developed this friendship and this relationship that's been it's been good for me. Hopefully, it's been um, good for David as well. And um, we finally are having, um, having Orbit Forum on the show today. And we're very excited to do that. So welcome, David. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It's a it's a privilege to be here with you guys, and uh, looking forward to sharing a little bit about Orbform and what we're doing. Great. And I'll go ahead and introduce the uh, president. Um, his name is Phil Sponsler. Phil has been with the company since 2000. Um, he's going to share with the Metalworking Nation all the things and how he started in with Orbit Form, who hired him, and his initiatives that he's taking on now and bringing the company um, into the new uh, millennium. And um, Phil, welcome to the show. And I just want to say you guys genuinely have been so authentic by inviting Jason and I out to your facility and... I can't tell you how much I, I felt that authenticity and your your generosity when we were there visiting you, um, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you um, with us in our studio today and listen to your story. So, Phil, welcome. Thanks, Jim and Jason. We feel extremely honored to be here and with a main mission of sharing things that might help uh, other business owners um, make their business uh, successful. So let's go back. Let's tell let's tell the story about Orbit Forum. So um, let's start with David. David, why don't why don't you tell the story about when it began? When, when was Orbit Forum founded and by who? Sure, sure. Well, my father, his name is Mike Shirky. Um, he was part of the genesis of Orbit Forum, and um, a few years after the products first kind of got developed, uh, my dad joined the business in 1987. And he was the president of the company. Over time, the business has has grown and um, been successful. We started with making orbital riveting machines. And over time, we've both developed new product lines internally. And we've purchased other companies, other product lines. So now we have a full suite of uh, forming, fastening, and assembly solutions. Our customers buy the machines we make to assemble their products. So I, I think most people know what riveting is, but what is orbital riveting? Because I, I, 
before I'd met you guys, I, I never knew that there was such a thing called orbital riveting. Orbital riveting at, a, at the most simple level is, is a way to deform metal in a more controlled way. The actual process involves rotating a tool, and the tool is on an angle. And basically, you only have to push a small portion of the material at any given time. So instead of smashing a rivet or smashing a metal post with a vertical press, you can kind of massage or roll or swage the metal in a more controlled fashion using a lot less force. And there's many reasons why you would need to do that, but that's the basics. Well, I, I would like to. I'd like to go into that just a little bit because I I think it's important to to convey that why people would use this. Because when I think of it, I think of it as an old school process. How are you making it a new school process? Well, it is an old school process. I'd say the new school methods being used are like implementing process controls and monitoring forces, monitoring pressures trying to put some intelligence into the assembly process to have improved quality or reduced cycle time, increase you know, manufacturing intelligence. Your dad, Mike Shirky, bought the business in 1984. Is that right? So it was an existing company. Well, I guess to be specific, the company was formed in 1984, and my father was hired and was able to gain some equity in 1987. I see. Okay, and so over time... He's been successful, in, um, and he's bought out the other partners. Correct. And then you started with the business when, David? I started my first time working at Orbiform in 2001. Okay. And I worked for um, five or six years, and then I left for a couple of years, and then I came back in 2011. So all in all, I've worked there at Orbiform about 12 years total. Mike Shirky, your dad, is currently a um, state senator, correct? Yes. Yep. Um, in about 2008, um, he was elected to the Michigan State House of Representatives. And uh, since that time, he really hasn't been around the shop too much. He definitely keeps tabs on things and he encourages us and he supports us. But, you know, Phil, Phil Sponsler, who's here with us today, he's been leading the business um, since my dad went to office, went Great. to politics. It sounds like your dad becoming a state senator was a great thing because then he was able to hire Phil to drive the business and actually enter into the new era of who Orbit Farm is right now. So I guess, Phil, you've been the genesis of a lot of the new initiatives that we're going to talk about um, on making chips that, that have happened at Orbit Farm. Genesis might be too uh, gracious. Uh, we have a really good team at Orbit Farm and some really highly skilled, we're very technical company all the way from our engineering and controls engineers and our machine shop i would have to consider them tool maker journeyman type quality and then our machine builders are awesome and our administrative people are great so i've been there since 2000 and uh when mike uh, decided to run for office he made me president at that time from general manager and from there, we immediately went into the recession. So I think that oh, that joy. was, yeah, <laughs> I think the timing on that was uh, somewhat punishing, but uh, we made it through that. And now we've, um, we've been on a great, 
great chair. So what year was that that you became president? 2008. That, that sounds a little bit. So I started in the manufacturing industry in uh, January of 1998. And I feel like I was like this, you know, bad luck or something like that. Because as soon as I got into manufacturing, it's like it went into the recession and we've had nothing but until now we've had nothing but downturns, a little bit of upturns to get out of that. But I, I'm, I'm with you in that when I started at Zangers, it's like, this is terrible. Why did I, why did I go into this industry? And you know, it's obviously it's been great since then, but I, I kind of feel your pain a little bit that you became president of the company and then things beyond your control really just went down. You know, so t- tell us a little bit about that. I think before we go to that, let's paint a picture about Orbit Form. You know, how, how big is the company? Oh, we have uh, about 100 uh, employees um, and we're just shy of 20 million in sales. Our facility is uh, 120,000 square feet. We do all of our machining and fabrication with our machines that we're building, which is has a lot of uh, extreme benefits associated with that and is an offshoot of the continuous improvement process. And um, I think coming out of the recession, the mission was is that uh, we were going to focus, where I was going to focus was on sales and marketing at that time. And you decided that you wanted to, to focus on sales and marketing because you went into that recession and you said to yourself what? Well, it's a carny story, but it's... Uh, from Gone with the Wind when uh, she has the uh, Tara dirt in her hand and she says, as God is my witness, this is never going to happen again. And so we uh, focused in in that arena. I think the saving grace of uh, 2009, 2010 for us was is that we were operationally excellent at that. So we weren't carrying a lot of uh, waste into the recession. Um, so we battened down the hatches and then coming out of it with uh, the uh, book, Eliyahu Goldratt's book, uh, The Goal, that um, we were able to sit there and say the bottleneck had moved to the marketplace. And so that's why we focused so much energy there. So Phil, what is your background? What were you hired in to do in 2000 at Orbit Form? Because you're in a, a strategic marketing and sales initiative now within the company. But I would assume when you started with the company in 2000, that's not what your initial journey was. No, my um, initial journey was uh, with another manufacturer for 15 or 16 years. And I was the uh, North American um, uh, general manager for one of the product lines. And uh, from there, I was going to get moved out of Jackson and I wanted to stay in Jackson. And I was interviewing with Mike Shirky to be on the board of directors at the hospital. And after a three and a half hour interview process, he said he didn't want to hire me as the, or he didn't want me on the board of directors at the hospital. He wanted to hire me as his general manager. And because when he initially said, you know, I I don't want you on the board of directors, that was a little bit shocking. But then um, the other shoe dropped. So my background is I'm a mechanical engineer, 84 graduate from Michigan State University. Got it. So you came in in 2000. Eight years later, we went into this awful great recession. You you made that pledge at that time that you never want to go through that pain and agony again. And from that point forward, you made this initiative to really 
set forth and define a strategic plan, a marketing plan, a growth plan, a vision for the future. And that's where you're at today. Well, I, I would I would actually, you know, correct you a little bit on that, Jim, and say, you know, and we've had you and I have had these debates and discussions a lot about being, you know, marketing driven versus sales driven. I, I would consider because of the discussion, I really that don't I, know what the difference. What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, t- I mean why don't you explain that to okay, me a little bit? Going back to what I was going to say, David and I have a, have had a lot of discussions about their sales process, which we're going to get into it. But I would say being marketing driven versus sales driven is that being marketing driven, or or just the whole idea of marketing, is that you're you're communicating with the marketplace in a way to prepare them for the sale. Okay, so you're preparing them and making it easier to close the deal. Now, on the sales side of things, I I believe what you're doing is that you're having that face to face or that over the phone discussion in order to close the sale. Both of these things are very important, but a lot of times companies are either more comfortable with sales or they're more comfortable with marketing, or they're not comfortable with either one of them. Um, But but, you have to have both. But you have to have both. And very few companies, at least in the manufacturing industry, do both of those things really, really well. And, And so I would actually say that Orbit Form, because of their history and the discussions that I've had with David Shirky, they're very much a sales-driven company. And I would say that they're probably one of the most innovative sales-driven manufacturing companies that I am aware of. And what do you think sets them apart based on what you've learned from them already? And maybe one of these two gentlemen can explain I, I think it's I think it's one word. It's process. I think that they have a process for sales that is just... Blow, it blows me away every time that David so tells me about what they're doing. It's actually a two-word because it's a driven process. It's an intentional process. And so um, that type of passion, that type of um, energy is what's needed to um, push and pull the process through when things are tough. Yeah, and, and I remember going back to what you said before, I can empathize with um, your gone with the wind analogy because I remember being in the car— with my dad, when we were in that recession, we were driving over to have lunch, which is what we do a lot of times for our my dad and I's business meetings. We're going to have Mexican food. I remember this all very vividly. And did you have margaritas? No, we didn't. Have, we didn't have. We weren't at that time. We weren't, you know, having any kind of like liquid lunches or anything. Okay. Like you, you, you're always suggesting for you and I to have Jim. <laughs> um, but oh, we were going. We were going to have the conversation flow a little bit better. We were going to have tacos, and um, I remember um, just having this conversation where I, I said to my dad, "I was like, I'm going to drive the results of the company, and I'm not going to let the market." place drive us downward. I'm going to make sure that I drive us upwards and I'm going to be in control of this as much as I possibly can. And that kind of sounds like what you, what you had talked about as well. So two words, driven process. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about the Orbit Form growth engine, which I think is a part of that driven process. So go ahead and tell the metalworking nation about that. Sure. You know, we start off with what we call our Orbistics missions. And in 2012, we were probably seeing 200 face-to-face contacts with customers. And what this is, is Orbistics is a, a engineered sales process. And the whole concept behind it is it's a division of labor. So you really want your salespeople, your regional sales managers in front of the customers and anything else that detracts from that, you have to figure out how else to do that. And so from 2012, from 200 to 2017, we're in excess of 
2,000 face-to-face contacts. So, so just to break this down a little bit, Phil, the, this whole idea is taking what has been very common in manufacturing for 60, 70 years where there was a breakdown in the division of labor. So when you manufactured a car, you didn't sit one person in front of a car and say, put the car together. You assembled that car in a very methodical way mm-hmm. where person A or, or, or cell A would do this and then the next cell would do this and you would so on go on the line. And from a sales standpoint, most companies just say, okay, salesman, you take care of everything with the customer. And what this does is this new way of doing things is let's break down the sales process kind of like we break down the manufacturing process into very discrete components in order to make it more efficient. Is that, does that sound correct? Exactly. And that's the that's a really good description of it, actually. And that this is coming from um, a person that we had help us with that process is Justin Roth Marsh. And his process, which he names it as ballistics, we customize that to orbit form, and that's why we have the name Orbistics. And so there's some really cool things that happened with this process. In 2014, when we really we got our CRM internally built and created, the two of those processes combined, um, we were seeing a, doing on two or three firm fix calls when people would go out. And then the rest of 30 or 40 other calls were cold calls. And then in 2015, the firm fixed increased to six or seven. And our cold calls started to shrink because they take more time when you do a firm fix. What's What's a firm fix? So that is where somebody has on their calendar that they're going to meet with you at that time. So when our guys go out in concert with our CRM, they can have these uh, firm fixed meetings with a prospect or a customer, and then they fill in all their other time with cold calling that's associated with that. And so with uh, 2016, we ended up starting to go to 12 firm fixed calls at that time. And less, you know, now we were in the 20, 25 a week uh, when they were going out. And so now in 2017, we had a breakthrough. And so what we call this is a compounding effect of what we did in 2014 and 15. Now what we're doing is we have 18, 16 to 20 um, firm calls, only a couple uh, cold calls. So this is all about creating a system so that your salespeople are making more presentations to the customer about what Orbitform does in order to either open up the sale or to close the deal as opposed to them. Basically, what a lot of, I, I believe, salespeople do, which is they're just rugged individualists, and I think that they're wasting a lot of time when they're out there in, in the marketplace, yeah. and they're not yeah. very efficient. So what you've done, you brought a lot of efficiency to the sales process so that you can close more deals. That's what our CRM was able to do for us. It made our process efficient. And so that is why we're able to make these this amount of sales calls. And David, I believe when I was in your facility once, you had showed me, you pulled up a map on your, in your CRM system, and you said, look it, our salesman of this region has an appointment on this day right here. Somebody goes around and calls and sets up appointments all around that regional person, that one firm fixed appointment, and sets up appointments for that day. And that's exactly where your, what you're saying is your successes have been. Is that right? Yes, yes. The illustration that you just mentioned is, is one of the tactics that the CRM 
that our team has built um, allows us to do. So, for example, when one of our inside sales support people is scheduling a meeting for one of our regional sales managers, right? the inside support person can say, okay, at 2 o'clock, Al is in Milwaukee. I know that tomorrow he's going to be in Rockford, Illinois. So this inside sales support person can, without even talking to Al, can pull up our CRM, can look at the map, can look at which prospects in our CRM have an open quote, which have done business with us before, which are unaware of us, and then with a smart mapping system can schedule appointments or at least try to schedule appointments in the right geography to take best advantage of Al's time. So instead of Al being in charge of his own calendar and probably wasting a lot of time, your inside support person, let's call that person Sally, she's in control of Al's schedule. So Al doesn't get to direct himself. He gets directed. And so he appears at the customer and he's ready to give a presentation. He's prepped and he's he's going to deliver that presentation better than he would if, if he had to control everything else in the system. But how does Sally identify a prospect within that region? Well, in our CRM mapping tool, all the prospects are color-coded. So if it's a green dot on the map, then, you know, the person we're saying, Sally, knows that this is a prospect where there's an open lead in our sales system at the moment. Whether it was two weeks ago or two years ago, you know that there's been a touch point between OrbitForm and that prospect. And as long as your regional salesperson is going to be in that region on that day or days, she's going to set up a real fixed conversation, an in-person conversation with that person at that time. Okay. Yep. It, it seems like one of the things that I love about this it seems easy. It, I mean, it, it it really does. Yeah. I mean, and one of the, one of the things that I love about this, it, it, it seems like a system that only like somebody with a manufacturing process driven mind would come up with, you know, because it's just, you know, there's got to be, we're manufacturers, so there's got to be a system that this runs according to. And that's one of the other things well, that if, I like if, about it. If, if I could give a plug for Phil and our team, I think that's exactly right because, you know, we're trying to apply the theory of constraints, and the division of labor to the sales process. Just like you would to the manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And Phil and our team have been very successful in applying the theory of constraints to manufacturing and design and project management. And now we're trying to take the next step. And we are taking the next step, which I don't believe is very common across the manufacturing world to apply these concepts to the sales process. And I think Phil, I don't want to steal Phil's thunder, but um, you know he he basically tries to cheer us on that um, we're not going to be victims. You know we're we're taking the bull by the horns and um, we're building systems and we're building teams and we're building people that um, are going to help Orvorm be successful even if there is a, a downturn. Great. Is this a, is this a proprietary CRM system? Who, yes. And who developed it? Well, we have a uh, gentleman named John. Uh, as part of our organization, who um, has done the majority of the programming, we did have some outsource some outsourced help with some of the software programming. But we have a gentleman named John Price, who has been the leader and cha- the leader of our CRM. Phil has been a champion. Phil, our president, has been a champion of the CRM. But John has been the implementation leader, and um, it is proprietary. Yes, no one, no other company in the world has that CRM. John was a high school friend who moved back into the area and has 
a myriad of facets that he can do. And we hired him to do our overview video on our website that um, we still have today that's there. And then um, one of his uniquenesses is that he is an engineered mind. He did do technical sales. He is a movie actor, script writer, voiceover, light man, all that sort of stuff. And so why he was able to do such a good job on the CRM was his experiences. And I'll have to say this with some bragging about John is, is that he's been able to intuitively create a tool or the tool is intuitive. So we have people that come in and with 20, just a few minutes of work with them, they're using the tool as opposed to other CRMs. I won't mention the biggest one, but we get probably, we all know who, yeah, who that we is. probably, that, isn't it? well, we probably get 65% of the performance of the bigger one, but we get 98% utilization. Yeah. Nobody, you, that, that, I, that's the biggest thing that I've heard about, you know, salesforce.com mm-hmm. is that, well, I, I, I barely use it. Yeah. Ours is used every day in all this information. In fact, we even went on a mission to sit there and called that they kill the files or kill the archives, the KTAs. And that KTA was is that we had um, companies that we had bought. We've gotten all these hard file information, file cabinets, things like that. We took and put all that information into our CRM. And so we don't have hard copy files of of that information and it's totally 100% accessible to us. That's great. So before we move on to the next component of the of the Orbiform growth engine, what what's been the most I guess surprising or just, you know, um exciting thing about um Orbistics? When we were in the recession, we were um half the size we are right now. And obviously, we've got some tailwinds from the economy and everything. We have found new customers that we uh, never would have found without them. And once we get a customer into the place, a lot of our business is from repeat customers. And so now by growing that base, we've been able to more than double our size. That's probably the opportunity that it's created for our folks. And that is a mainstay to what we're about is we're about the long-term security of Orbitform and the long-term security of our employees. And and I think, uh, you know, while I know, one of the bigger things is, is that it freed us from the archaic model of having a manufacturer rep be in the middle of the process to channel to market. And so we're down two-thirds Um, of our manufacturer reps, the last third that's there, they get it. So they use our CRM, they prospect for orbit form, and they win the the business in the territory. And they're probably making more money now. They're making way more money. So that's been the liberating fact associated with nobody holds our future other than us. Well, I think the old school way about a manufacturing rep was they were just kind of off doing their own thing and there wasn't any collaboration or teamwork involved. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't a healthy it wasn't a collaborative. I think that's thing. good. It wasn't a healthy relationship. Yeah. It, it was more like I know my customers, you don't need to tell me what right. to do or how to do it. Where mm-hmm. Sally is is working with that manufacturer's rep, am I correct? At times they do, yes. It's a directed-driven system. Yeah, and Sally's setting up Al's appointments for him, and he's got to be accountable to to those, and then he's got to put notes in the system on how it went or didn't go. Exactly. And I think that it kind of, um, well, I know that the remaining manufacturer reps that we have are unbelievably awesome. 
and they add so much value to the equation. They get it. And so, but prior to that, we were just a name on a line card. Mm-hmm. Right. Stay tuned next week for part two of our interview with David and Phil of OrbitForm. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. Um, is it's manager of strategic initiatives. initiatives. Okay. I just want to make sure that I, um, that I get, so you should have written it down. I know. I know. I need to be, I need to be more structured. I need to be more like Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Ryan, this is all off. Please don't edit that out. Please leave that one in.